Welcome to the fifth episode of the Portrait Personas podcast. Emily, how's it going? It's going great. It's been a really long week, so I am looking forward to reliving one of the funniest examples of trial and error that I have ever experienced. I'm super excited about this one. You've uh, had some good teasers about it. It seems like more so than any episode we've done so far, there's going to be a lot of uh, focus on the costume and the creation for this one, isn't there? Absolutely. This was my first experience in fabrication. So I had to be very creative for this one. What did you recreate for this post? This is a portrait called Young Lady in a Tricorn Hat, circa 1755. It's by the artist Giovanni Battista Tiepolo, and it also currently hangs in the National Gallery of Art in D.C. It's part of the Crest Collection there. What drew you to this picture? Did you want the project, or what really grabbed your attention? I try to stay local if possible. This is a portrait. It's often on view at the National Gallery, and I just find it compelling, entertaining, funny. I don't know. It's just one of those portraits that sticks out in my mind of something that I always pause in front of when I see it. And this was also something I thought I could recreate fairly easily. But this was, of course, before I realized the intricacies of fabricating a tricorn hat. So I thought it would be easy. It's a portrait I like. And because her hair is covered up, I wouldn't have to worry about a wig or hairstyling. So that aspect appealed to me since I had done some kind of heavy hairstyling the few weeks prior. I have to imagine there was a little bit of a freeing factor to not have to either buy a new wig or dig out. It absolutely was. And, you know, a year later, obviously, I've gotten over the not wanting to acquire wigs and have a quite the lovely collection of bargain wigs now, but it is easier when hair is not a factor. We Mendonkas are very blessed with thick, luxurious hair. Thanks, mom and dad. But the effort to style it is extra time. So that was absolutely a bonus element for recreating this. I could just pull my hair back and have it out of the way. There was still some maneuvering though. So she, in this portrait, she's wearing a tricorn hat and she has this bizarre, it's like when you're pulling a turtleneck on and it's stuck on your face, but then there's also almost like there's a curtain attached to the front of it. So I was like deconstructing these pieces, seeing I knew the hat would be my the last thing I would need to figure out and try and acquire the easier pieces. So I knew I had a black turtleneck and I had what I did for that kind of like draping factor. I used a black dress I had and I kind of put the, the skirt part just draped on my shoulders. So because that more voluminous part that would be at my waist was now draped on my shoulders, it had that like gathering effect. It's kind of hard to explain if you're pulling something over your head, but then I just kind of like tucked in the top half of the dress without pulling it down. I had my hair just kind of in a ponytail. So then the turtleneck helped it kind of stay in place since it was framing my face right under my mouth. And then I draped the bottom half of the dress over that. So that was fairly simple. And then this also, apart from rosy cheeks, her face is bare. So I put a little makeup on to kind of cover my freckles. So I would get that kind of smooth look and lots of blush. No, it's funny. There's a reason when people are on stage and you know, you did theater, they'll put the very heavy makeup on because the lights will wash you up. And I always think 
I thought I had so much blush on because I was trying to get this rosy cheek look that we have in here and it's barely visible in the final photo. So that's a lesson I've continually learned this last year to apply more makeup that I think I need since I do benefit from a really great natural light corner where I take these photos. So that washing out effect does sometimes happen. So the makeup was easy. The clothes were fairly simple and I'm sure I have a fan somewhere in my probably couple boxes of stuff that still live at mom and dad's house. Thanks mom and dad. I didn't have a fan. So I just used piece of paper and folded it up. So that was my fan. And so that part was all relatively easy. Now the hat, however, was a whole different experience. So for that, I wasn't quite sure what to do. I was just thinking, what do I have? All I have are like ball caps. That's the only hat I could think of that I owned. I was like, I'm just gonna have to build something. So I found this black scarf I had. So the hat kind of, a tricorn hat would probably have that like feltish type of material. And the, I had this plain black scarf that was thick. So it would have a similar effect. So I have my ball cap and then I had a shoebox. So I thought, okay, I'm just gonna cut this shoebox up. And I put the behind the scene pictures of me like cutting up this shoebox to try and get that like shape. It took a few tries to get that base with the, the ball cap. And I think I stuffed fabric in the ball cap so that the round part would stay round. And then I kind of elaborately wrapped the scarf around it. And it looked okay, it looked, you know, it looked passable. But as I was trying it on, I remembered that I had a yellow floppy sun hat. And that was kind of like, oh, like a slap your forehead moment because I knew that would just work better if I draped the scarf over that and I would be able to kind of manipulate the brim to more closely resemble a tricorn hat. So I fabricated my shoebox tricorn hat all for nothing, but I did it anyway. And so I draped the scarf over the floppy sun hat and I used just some sewing pins. I mean, I don't have hat pins lying around like the 1800s. So I used two sewing pins and they barely would keep it together. So I had, there were several times when I would have to repin the hat because these are like very thin pins. They aren't meant to go through layers of straw hats and layers of scarf. So that was much closer. Looking back, I I laugh because I do think for my fellow Harry Potter fans that I looked similar to Professor Quirrell with my hat and my wrapped scarf, but I was pleased. I was, you know, annoyed at myself that I didn't think of the floppy hat initially, but we got there. So after all of that, I had my materials and I had to be very careful when I put the hat on my head because like I said, the pins, they just kept popping out. Also, it didn't work because you can see the pink pearl top of the pin so vividly, but I had tried to draw in black Sharpie on the end of the, <laughs> the pin to like hide the color because one of them was white and one of them was that like light pink color. So I tried, but then what happened was that worked very well, but then I kept having to repin them. So every time I touched it, the Sharpie would just come off on my finger. So I tried to be very thorough. I took this tricorn hat situation extremely seriously, but I did my best and it was hilarious and took several hours, but that is how I, I fabricated a tricorn hat that I did not need. 
and then resurfaced a floppy hat from the depths. I mean, the depths of under my bed. I don't think I've worn that hat. I got it for a cruise. First and only cruise I've been on maybe six years ago. And then it just went in a beach bag. And I think that's kind of funny because like your teaser is the shoebox, but the shoebox doesn't actually make it into the final product. I posted the teaser before I actually tried to make the hat. So it ended up being an inaccurate teaser. I should have taken a couple pictures in the, the shoebox tricorn hat before I destroyed it. But, you know, hindsight. And we haven't touched on maybe my favorite part of what you do. Let's talk about the backdrop. What was the backdrop? So this is the, I think earlier I mentioned the weird like murky brown that is often in art. And this is that same brown sweater. This one I use a lot. It's just a brown, brownish, reddish vest sweater cover-up thing. So that is just taped on the wall behind me. I think, yes, I put a picture of that in the little behind the scenes. And I stopped doing that because by now it's, you know, I've taped it behind me. Oh, so something else. I'm, I'm looking back at these behind the scenes. So there were two challenges apart from making sure the hat didn't keep popping out of the pins. This was again before I had a tripod. And so the fan... In the full shot, she has the fan in her hand, resting it on her shoulder. For anyone who has a Samsung phone, you can activate the selfie by waving at the camera. I don't have a tripod, so I have to hold the phone in one hand and I have to activate the timer with my other hand. So I can't, if I'm holding a fan, it won't register my palm. So the trial and error for that was to tape the fan on my shoulder. So I had to just tape the fan, which we see in my behind the scenes shot um, with some like painter's tape, just tape to my shoulder to try and get that like spot. So it's like gently resting against my cheek. And so it's just taped on. And even with a tripod, this is still, it frees up my hands, but I still have to activate that and still quickly move whatever hand I use to where it needs to go. So the tripod has helped a lot, but I still have that like three seconds to move that hand where it needs to go. But at least I don't have to worry about holding the other hand in a stable moment. So, but at this point still had no tripod and I, I look back and feel proud of that. So I had my left arm was doing the long arm selfie and the right arm was the selfie activating arm. So I had the fan taped to my shoulder and that was how I achieved that. I love that so much. I hadn't, I actually have to admit, I didn't read the text for the behind the scenes. So I just thought that the blue tape was like this thing that was kind of holding the fan together. Even now I hadn't even realized that you had just taped it to yourself. What a great little bit of problem solving. There, it does look like a lot of tape. Some of it was at the bottom to hold it together. So it looks like way more than it actually was. So there are just like two pieces of painter's tape keeping it down because it's like part of this portrait, I think was very distinct placement of the fan. So her fan is kind of, I think I have my fan facing towards the viewer and her fan is facing towards like the sky or the ceiling. So I didn't have it facing the right way. But after all of the random hoops I went through, I was like, it's fine. It's just going to be facing the wrong way. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then we will notice a theme. I get very interested in accurate facial expression. So this one, which I found 
slightly challenging since, you know, you don't think a chin would play into emotion too much, but it is kind of hard. We just have this like, not even her full face. So I had to think carefully about how to place my face to get at this expression when really to me, she just looks like annoyed that she's constrained in this weird dress thing, but who knows what she's thinking. So I tried to have that kind of serious, but not mad, kind of aloof, kind of pensive, who knows what's going on, facial expression. So that that took a few tries and like, this was easy. There's some I've done where I have no idea where to look. So when the eyes are looking dead at the viewer, that's always super helpful. So at least I knew where to look. She shows a little bit of hair on the left side of her face. You're showing, was that intentional that you showed a little bit of left left hair as well? Yes. The turtleneck was almost like a headband and I had to reposition it a couple times to get it because if I put it too far back, then it kept sliding down and off my hair. So I had to have it close enough to my forehead that it was like secure but then far enough that that peak of hair would show. I did think carefully about just getting that little sliver of hair and also had that weird blonde, brown, ambiguous hair color similar to mine. So I was glad that I could just just show a sliver of hair and that was my hairstyling. So easy. I don't know if you have the same reaction I do, but the more I've stared at this, it looks less like she's wearing those clothing. It looks more like one of those things you'd see at the beach where there is a picture that they've cut a hole into and she is staring at you from behind. Yeah, it does have that like cut out look, like she just kind of peeked in. So this painting is interesting to me. I, I've tried to do some research. I knew a little about Tiepolo, but he's generally known for these kind of very large frescoes. That would be a painting that is painted on like a wall, like what? plaster or large history paintings. I think this work is interesting because it doesn't really fit in with his more well-known works, which are a lot of religious works, a lot of Madonna and Child, a lot of historical allegories or mythology moments. So a portrait is kind of unusual for his work. It's not this expansive, massive painting showing another one we have locally is Queen Zenobia dressing her soldiers, which is just like bright and colorful. All of these figures in their military uniforms and regalia and shields. And, you know, it's an ancient story from long ago or a blank, a very bold, richly saturated, colorful Madonna and child. So this just is totally out of that realm. And so I find it interesting. It's just kind of like this dark background and all black clothes. That peak of skin is just so vivid against the black background or the blackish, brownish, murky, whatever that color is and her black clothing. And so I just find it interesting that this portrait exists. And I don't know about his other portraits. I know he was very prolific. It's estimated he made around 800 paintings, thousands of drawings. I think if you put all of his frescoes together, it would be like acres and acres of fresco. So he did make a lot of art, but all of the ones he's most well known for look nothing like this. So I have no idea who this woman is. I have no idea what she was thinking. He did have a lot of commissions actually all over Europe. So he had commissions as high as like Germany, which was pretty unusual, I think, for the 18th century. So he was a Venetian artist born in 1696, and he died in 1770 in Madrid. To have commissions as high as Dresden, that 
meant he was very well known. So this could have been a woman from a well-known family all the way up in Germany. It could have been a woman from a Venetian family. There's nothing. I, I did some research. I couldn't find anything written on this painting. I also know he was a father of nine. Maybe it was one of his daughters. So who knows? This was made when he was about 60-ish. So could have been one of his children. I would love to know who this woman was. I don't know her story. I don't know anything about her, who she is, where she was from, probably a portrait that was commissioned. But something I could find was an x-ray of the painting. And so artists would often edit their paintings along the way and just paint over. And so originally the fan was open. And so the x-ray is, is very cool. And I like the closed fan. I think it adds to that mystery of the painting. She looks very coy and unreadable. There's actually a lot of research about women and fans and the language of fans and what fans communicated. So I don't, that probably would be delving too deeply, but I just thought it was an interesting artistic choice to make that change. That's so neat. It's just the revision history, so to speak, seems even crazier when it's that far away. Painting x-rays are always interesting to look at to see the artistic process and the edits that were made along the way. Gotcha. And you know what? Well, let's try and do the part where I try to unfairly stump you because this could also uh, divvy into a final topic for us. So you mentioned this part of the Cress collection, right? Yes. What were the years that those paintings were donated? The collection was built over a period of years. What were the years? Do you know? The National Gallery was, this is actually the, this year is the 70th anniversary of the National Gallery. It was established in 1941. So I know it's no earlier than 1941. I'm going to guess 1945 to 1955. All right. So maybe I should have asked this better. So they were donating art uh, across multiple museums between the years of uh, 1929 and 1961. Oh, okay. So that's how long the collection was built up. Over 3,000 works of European art, primarily of the Renaissance. So yeah, how much do you know about that the, that collection? I mean, that it, it's a part of that. Do you know if there's other paintings? like The National Gallery has a whole crest collection and it's definitely features some of the more well-known objects in the National Gallery. That's something worth going to the National Gallery for, right? Absolutely. Renaissance is a fan favorite. And if you're interested in Tiepolo after this, listening to this conversation, you should be able to see this painting typically on view. And you can also compare it to Tiepolo's other work and see if you agree with me that it seems unusual compared to his other larger history paintings or his more intimate but vivid Madonna and Child images. One of my favorites is Madonna and Child with Goldfinch. I don't know why. It just, the baby Jesus holding out this Goldfinch, like, look what I have. So it's just a charming little painting. So you could compare the differences between his portraits, his religious art, and his history painting and see what you think. That's fantastic. Well, you know what? Let's do a teaser for next week's episode. First of all, this is one of my favorites I've done, top 10. And this involves me having again to turn a very long wig into a short hairstyle. And I got kind of a test run of that with Marilyn, but this was even more in depth. And this also was the first time I made my eyebrows black. Ooh. We have another first that happens next week. So styling 
hair dye and a return to the 20th century on next week's episode? Yes, this is also, we're going back to photography, wig sculpting, and black eyebrows. <laughs> oh, that sounds exciting. Well, thank you for uh, letting us know about this trip to the Renaissance with your tricorn hat. Thank you so much. Thank you.